0: Have won three in a row and they are back. Well, not all the way back, but hey, they've made the National League wildcard race interesting once again. Welcome into this edition of The Kerry Crowley Show. I want to thank everyone who's tuned in thus far as we're still just getting going here. Really looking forward to the episodes that we'll have. We're mixing in a new feature this week. I'm planning on chatting with Roger Munter of There Are Giants. We're going to do a collaborative episode but there's a lot to get to with regard to the San Francisco Giants today who've now won three in a row after sweeping the Colorado Rockies improving to 73 and 70 and trying to make the stretch run a little bit more enjoyable so I'll touch on why this playoff race is important, even if it's not that interesting. I wanna get into a potential off-season acquisition, a blockbuster move that would involve a trade, not a free agent, and then I actually wanna touch on the weekend that I spent in New York because I had the opportunity to go to Yankee Stadium, Old Timers Day, experience A different ballpark and had a lot of fun there. And so uh, if you're listening on Spotify, thank you. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Always appreciate everyone for the recommendations, for the comments, for the five-star reviews. That has been incredibly helpful in getting this podcast up and off the ground. And if you're watching on YouTube, I apologize that you're not seeing more of the background here. I usually stand when I do these shows, but I actually had a really long afternoon in court. Uh, The state of New Jersey took me to court. Over a parking ticket that I got in August at Princeton, which is where I'm living right now. My girlfriend goes to grad school at Princeton. So we're out here on the East Coast. First week I move in, get a parking ticket for leaving my car somewhere overnight where I shouldn't have. It was a $45 parking ticket, and I thought it was ridiculous that you can't leave your car overnight on a completely empty street. And so I went to court, fought it on the premise that. You should be notified, at least at the meter that you're parked at, that if they're not, they're not going to collect any money from you from the 8 p.m. to uh, 10 a.m. range, uh, that there needs to be a sticker saying that you can actually get in trouble and get a ticket from leaving your card there. So I successfully fought the state of New Jersey, got the ticket, stricken from the record, uh, Crowley in the win column today. So uh, yes, I did all of that from my standing desk. So I need to sit down for this podcast because I'm exhausted uh, from all the winning that I've been doing and from all the winning that the San Francisco Giants did over the weekend against the Colorado Rockies. Look, uh, if you're going to be serious about being a playoff team, you're going to be serious about getting back into this race you've got to take all three from the Rockies and that's exactly what the Giants did you don't get a whole lot of credit for beating a Rockies team that has just been abysmal that uh, thank goodness that the Rockies exist for the Giants that you're, that you're just counting on them to hold down fourth or fifth place in the National League West on an annual basis it's an incompetent franchise run by uh, incompetent ownership in the Monfort family Dick Monfort and I have no idea what's going on in Colorado but hey The Giants will absolutely take their matchups. Credit to Gabe Kapler and the San Francisco Giants. They've won 16 of their last 17 against the Colorado Rockies. And this Rockies pitching staff, it was absolutely the pitching staff that this offense gets right against. Hey, Mitch Hanniger had a great weekend at the plate. And there's a little bit to discuss with regard to the Giants in the playoff race right now. Because I think so much of the focus in the month of August and then the beginning of September, when the wheels really start to fall off for the Giants with... Those three consecutive losses in San Diego against the Padres, and then the devastating sweep at Wrigley Field, where you lose six in a row, you're feeling horrible about yourself. All of a sudden, I'm not going to say that everything is great again, but I am going to say that Some of the spotlight shifts off the poor decisions that the front office has made, Uh, the lack of spending that I think ownership is responsible for over the last two, three, four seasons. I really think that if they invested a little bit more, the Giants could be in better shape right now. Touched on that on other episodes, but today's episode will be a little shorter. We'll touch on more of what's happening on the field and really why I think the playoff race is important for the development of these young Giants prospects and these young Giants players, even if. The playoff race if you even want to call it that doesn't inspire a whole lot of near-term confidence and so look i think that for the remainder of september we need to change our perspective change the way we frame the giants going after a wild card spot this isn't about the team making good on ownership and the front office's promise of contending deep into the season and securing a playoff spot in an expanded postseason field because We know there are bigger picture issues at play here with the Giants' roster-building strategy, with their commitment to spending, with the way that this franchise has operated right now, and I've touched on this in previous episodes. Look, there's just certain things that even if the Giants go really hot down the stretch and make it the postseason. There are certain things that are going to have to change from a process standpoint, a player acquisition standpoint, maybe the way that the Giants think about platoons and starters and their rotation and bullpen and pitcher usage strategy. And we'll get into all of that. But I think that the Giants being in the playoff race right now, or at least winning three in a row and putting themselves in a position where you could say, yeah, I could see them competing with the Diamondbacks and the Marlins and the Reds for this final wildcard spot. It's important because there are so many young players on this roster. And I go back to when I covered the Giants during the 2021 season, when everything went right, when they won 107 games. And I really do think one of the reasons that Logan Webb is the unquestioned ace of the Giants staff and camilo Doval is the closer that he is at this relatively short juncture of his MLB career is because of the way that those two players handled the playoff race handled the race to 107 handled the division that the Giants ended up winning on the final day of the regular season you look at that last stretch of baseball for the Giants in 2021 and Logan Webb was that dude Logan Webb put the Giants on his shoulders every time he went out there to start and he unquestionably became someone that the team could count on and I remember covering you know his major league debut back in 2019 and the struggles that he encountered in 2020 you go back to 2021 and an injury took Logan Webb out of the rotation during the first half of that season but come the second half Kevin Gossman can't make that opening start against the St. Louis Cardinals his wife was experiencing pregnancy complications and Logan Webb was kind of thrust back into the spotlight at that time and thank goodness for the Gossman family that everything ended up working out okay and that everyone was healthy there, but it put Logan Webb in a position to where he was facing a little bit of adversity. His back was up against the wall, and he just needed to give the Giants quality innings, and he comes out of the second half. He absolutely does that, and he shuts down every question about whether he could be a productive Major League starter. He shuts down every comparison you could make to the guys who'd come up and had not found success at the Major League level, whether it be a Kyle Crick or a Chris Stratton, or a Tyler Beatty or an Andrew Suarez, or all the pitching prospects the Giants tried to develop during the second half of the 2010s where it didn't materialize. Logan Webb during the second half of that 2021 season, he really made a statement for himself. And ever since then, I think that being in the playoff race, understanding the stakes for Logan Webb made a huge difference for, difference for him and made a huge difference in the eyes of the front office and being able to evaluate him and saying, okay, We can move forward with this guy, being our ace, being our number two, being at the front end of the rotation for years to come. And after a successful 2022, he answered even more questions. That's why he gets the five-year, $90 million extension. I think the same is true, quite frankly, for Camilo Doval, who did such a great job in September of 2021. I think that he was the National League reliever of the month. And you remember that beginning of the 2021 season, when the Giants called Camilo Doval up, from Triple A, I think it was May, and his ERA was in the sixes. He was giving up runs. There was that walk off at Coors Field when the Giants lost on a Charlie Blackman home run, and there were times where Camilo just didn't trust a certain pitch, whether it be his fastball or his slider. I think that 2021, the end of that season, the way he finished it, he was able to answer answer questions that may have existed in his own mind. And he was able to prove to himself that he can be elite at the major league level and he can have success, and so. I'm not saying that this race is in any way, shape, or form reminiscent of 2021, but I am bringing up those two examples because I think you learn a lot about young players in the heat of a playoff race. I think you learn a lot when pressure is put on these players in big situations. And I think during the month of September, at least since the Giants have called him up, we're learning a little bit about Luis Matos. We're learning that he may be a part of this 2024 picture where the Giants are counting on him to play a bigger role. And I've said this on KMBR from the outset of Luis Matos' major league tenure. The guy needs to spend the offseason in the weight room. He's 21 years old and he looks like there's still plenty to develop. And I don't know that the Giants will be able to realistically count on him as a true 140, 150 game player until maybe 2025 but what I do know is that swing at times is beautiful. The speed is there. His ability to track the ball in the outfield, while it's not perfect just yet, he has the potential to be a great defensive player. I do think these reps in September, knowing that there are stakes right now, Giants have an opportunity to learn a lot about Luis Matos. And more importantly, like Logan Webb, like Camilo Duval, I think Luis Matos has an opportunity to learn a lot about himself and the way he handles this. I also think that seeing Keaton win, take the mound on Sunday night, and, you know, he takes that comebacker at, what, 108 miles an hour off his lower leg, off the calf area, and immediately encounters trouble, immediately gives up another base hit, gives up the triple end of the gap, and the Colorado Rockies are out in front, and you're thinking, oh, goodness, the Giants' are, chances of sweeping the, spe- the series are spoiled. They're not going to be able to come back from this. But Keaton Wynn pitched his way out of trouble. He got a ton of swings and misses. The fastball-splitter combination was absolutely beautiful against the Colorado Rockies. And I think that Keaton Wynn showed himself as much as he showed the Giants organization and Giants fans that he could do that in a big-time September start. And that may not what it be to long... May not be what it feels like to longtime fans of the organization who went through 2010, 2012, 2014, but when you know your team's playoff hopes are hanging on your outing, that is a big time start for you. That is a really important game. And the way that Keaton Wynn bounced back against a Colorado Rockies team that hangs its hat on its lineup, not its pitching staff, that was really impressive to me. And that's why I think over the next two, three weeks, we're going to have the opportunity to learn more about these Giants players. And yes, Maybe it doesn't inspire a whole lot of confidence in the interim in the way the Giants go about building their roster. But if we see more of Keaton Win, if we see more of Kyle Harrison being put into situations where he's testing himself, I think the Giants will be better off in the long run. And so I thought a lot about comments I made about Kyle Harrison and Gabe Kapler maybe leaving him in too long in certain games that he's pitched. Recently with the Giants. And you go back to San Diego and a batter too long when Garrett Cooper hits the home run off him, that really is the exclamation point on the Padres' lineup against Kyle Harrison. It was the first time he'd faced kind of a really tough situation at the big league level. And maybe you can say that the manager should have shielded him, but I actually think in the long run, the Giants and Kyle Harrison will be better off for him trying to get deeper into that game, trying to get that out because. It may not work out there, but the next time the Giants trust him to go deeper into a ball game, the next time he finds himself in that situation, he'll know that he has to be careful. And look, I'm not saying that he wasn't trying to be careful, but he may have the extra stamina, the extra gas to get deeper into a ball game. And he'll know that he has the trust of the Giants manager and the Giants front office because they have already put him in that situation. In fact, I wish the Giants had Kyle Harrison throw more innings this season at AAA. I know they've been really trying to protect their investment, protect this kid's arm, he's only 21 years old, but hey, you put yourself in a situation to where you may see benefits in the long run. If Kyle Harrison gets through that at bat against Garrett Cooper, maybe you're seeing those benefits a little sooner than you would in other situations. And so. I say all of this not because we're going to learn an incredible amount about this Giants team. I actually don't think you do in a one-month sample size. Maybe September is the best time to learn it. But I think that more often than not, it takes two, three, four months of consistent ball for you to really gain a big-picture perspective about a team. Like, look, Mitch Hanniger had a great weekend against the Colorado Rockies. But are we going to sit here and say that all of a sudden, you can count on Mitch Hanniger's value for the 2024 and 2025 seasons for the remainder of his contract because he hit the ball well against Colorado and Oracle Park in September? Absolutely not. Are we going to sit here and say, hey, the Jock Peterson signing was justified because of what he did during the month of September? Are we going to learn more about Jock Peterson as a ball player? No. We know who Jock Peterson is as a ball player. He's a flawed guy who can't play outfield defense and can't hit left-handed pitching. But you know what he can do? He can smack some righties sometimes, and there's some value in that. Maybe not at the contract the Giants signed him to, but hey, the Giants will take that kind of production from this weekend. I'm not saying that you're going to learn that Jock Peterson is a part of the 2024 plans because I think the Giants are better off using that salary, using that roster spot in a different way next year, but a Casey Schmidt taking reps, a Patrick Bailey coming back from the injured list and helping guide this pitching staff through September, that is what's important at this point of the regular season. And that is what's going to serve the Giants well in the long run in 2024 and in 2025 when there's no doubt in my mind the expectation will be ratcheted up even higher for what is expected of this Giants team. I said it before on the podcast and I'll say it again, if the Giants are going to succeed next year. And if Farhan Zaidi and Gabe Kapler are going to keep their jobs beyond next season, it's not just getting into the playoffs. It's proving you can build the roster with a little bit more sustainable talent and building a roster that cannot just get to the playoffs, but can make a convincing run to the playoffs and then win in the playoffs. The 2014 World Series was the last playoff series the Giants won. That has got to change it. Who knows the Giants go on a run late this season and they win the NLDS maybe I'll be eating crow maybe I'll be saying that hey what the Giants can do is fine it all came together in the long run but I don't think that the Giants playoff odds are that optimistic right now I do think they can learn a lot about their current prospects about their current young talent and I do think that there's value in playing out these games and having the Giants be in the race because of the long-term benefits for these players. And one thing that I did want to add, this is a little bit of a tangent, but one thing that I did want to add on Farhan Zaidi and his roster building strategy, I think that the further down the roster you get, Farhan Zaidi is better at making that portion of the roster good. So what I mean by that, you've got a 40 man roster. Spots 30 to 40, in my opinion, are better under Farhan Zaidi than they were under Brian Sabine and Bobby Evans. But 30 to 40, aren't going to win you major league games they're going to help you withstand some injuries the giants have had years where the 40-man roster is a little bit deeper than it is right now but i think that you get into the 20 to 30 range Farham's still probably pretty good you get into the 11 to 19 range of that 40-man roster and guys who are adding value and you're expecting to be on your team throughout the entirety of the regular season gets to be a little bit more shaky. But I think the hardest part of being a president of baseball operations or being a general manager in the modern age is really spots 1 to 10. And that, to me, is where the Giants have not made a significant amount of progress. I would count Logan Webb in one of those spots. I would absolutely count Camilo Duval in one of those spots. But if you're talking about a 1 to 10 that can compete with the best teams in the National League, compete with the best teams in the entire major leagues, The Giants don't have that right now, and I think that that is the main reason. Look, Farhan can get you spots 30 to 40. He can get you spots 20 to 30. In fact, 11 to 19 might be an area where he also adds value. But the challenge for every general manager, and this isn't inclusive, or excuse me, this isn't exclusive to the San Francisco Giants, is spots 1 to 10, and that's what must change this offseason. I think the Giants can learn about some of the players and whether they can fill those roles in the future. Maybe Casey Schmidt's a 1-10 to guy. Maybe Luis Matos. I really hope that he's a 1-10 to guy for the Giants. Patrick Bailey absolutely should be a 1-10 to guy, but when he comes back from the injured list, I will be following his at-bats closely because the at-bat quality has diminished a little bit during the second half of the season, even if his defense is so outstanding that the guy could go like 0 for 50 and he could still be a net positive at certain times. And so, that's what I want to say about the rest of the Giants' season. It is important that these games matter because it's important that these young players, the Giants are auditioning right now, and Keaton Wynn and Kyle Harrison, Casey Schmidt, Patrick Bailey, it's important that they continue to perform and get opportunities to handle adversity, handle stress, so that they're better prepared for the future. Because I think Logan Webb and Camilo Doval are better off for what they experienced in 2021. The Giants will be better off if they have a number of players who are capable of going into a September stretch run, knowing what it takes to get to the playoffs. Another thing I wanted to touch on on today's episode, and we will do this throughout the offseason, as long as I'm still making these, as long as you're still interested in listening, whether it be Spotify, YouTube, whatever platform you're getting the Kerry Crowley show on, I really appreciate that you're taking the time to listen. And I know that these are oftentimes one person rants. And so I'll try to mix it up and bring on a few more guests, do some mailbag episodes. We'll change up the format. But I want to talk a little bit about the off season because there are gonna be so many eyes, and I'll devote plenty of time to talking about Shohei Otani throughout the offseason, throughout his free agency, until he signs a new deal. I'll say that look, the Giants need to do everything in their power to make Shohei Otani a San Francisco Giant for the foreseeable future. But realistically, if you follow Giants' free agent pursuits in the past, particularly of high-profile players, you know that the odds of Otani becoming a giant are incredibly slim. So How can the Giants bring in the A-list talent? How can the Giants bring in a superstar this fan base so desperately craves? And quite honestly, the box office tells us that they need to bring in. There was a report over the weekend, Bob Nightingale, USA Today, Bullet Bob. Love him, love the work that he does. And it's always interesting when Bob Nightingale is tweeting, whether it's pictures with his iPad or news from around Major League Baseball that uh, stuns the curse of Bob Nightingale. Well, news that the Angels might be willing to part with Mike Trout this offseason. I will tell you, if the Angels are willing to part with Mike Trout, the Giants need to be on the phone with Artie Moreno. Greg Johnson needs to be calling Artie Moreno. Farhan Zaidi needs to be calling Perry Manassian if he's still the one who has the job down in Los Angeles and Anaheim with the Angels, and they need to do what they can. Looking at Mike Trout's deal, I think there's something like $266 million owed to the guy who the year 2030, and you see the last three seasons. The track record of health is not good, but let's be real. The track record of health of most free agents you're going to sign even ones you consider signing to a 300 million dollar contract an aaron judge a carlos correa the track record of health isn't great look at shohei otani he's got a torn ucl right now for the second time in his career you can't say there's a track record of health there and so i think the giants need to do what they can to try and pull off a trout trade to try and at least make things interesting with the mike trout pursuit that i think can, should, and maybe will take place this offseason around Major League Baseball as the Angels realize that Otani's not coming back and they need to completely reset their franchise for the future. I think that Trout would benefit from a change of scenery and you look, he's going to be what, 31 years old? This isn't like a mid-season trade where a Juan Soto is going to the Padres from the Nationals and he's still got two plus years left on his arbitration contract. That's not the deal with Mike Trout. He's owed a massive amount of money that the Angels want to get out from under, and I think that if the Giants are willing to pay Trout the 34, 37 million a year that they could owe him, depending on how much the Angels throw into a deal, depending on the contracts and the prospects that the Giants are able to get into a deal, the Giants could be in really good shape in terms of getting the A-list superstar in the door without having to make a free agent pursuit. And Look, I'm sure that Trout's got the no-trade clause. I'm sure that he'll dictate a lot of where he goes. And do I think that San Francisco would be that guy's number one choice? No chance. He's an East Coast guy. He probably wants to play in Philadelphia. Huge fan of the Eagles. My guess is he'll find a way to get dealt to an East Coast team. But it doesn't take that much, oftentimes, to acquire a superstar who's owed a massive contract via trade. Look at the Mookie Betts deal and what the Dodgers gave up to get Mookie Betts and then sign him to that incredible extension. Look at the Nolan Arenado deal and the five players the Colorado Rockies acquired from the St. Louis Cardinals in a deal where the Rockies gave the Cardinals $50 million alongside Nolan Arenado. Look at those deals as the template and you can't tell me that you wouldn't be at least incredibly interested in a Mike Trout trade and what that could mean for the Giants organization. So. I'm not saying that it's likely. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying that it will even be a possibility discussed this offseason. What I am saying is that Bob Nightingale's report is true. There's always a question. And the Giants are entertaining the possibility of bringing in an A-lister this offseason. And Shohei Otani, let's not count on that happening. They need to be on the phone. They need to be figuring out what it will take. Because The prospects the Dodgers gave up to get Mookie Betts, the prospects that the Cardinals gave up to get Nolan Arenado is nothing like a Juan Soto deal. When these guys have already signed or are about to get their mega extensions, it's just a different way of doing business. And the Giants need to be willing to accept that it's going to take a massive amount of money, a huge financial commitment for a player who, let's be real, has some injury questions, even though he's a generational talent. But I would rather bet on a Hall of Fame caliber talent and a guy like Mike Trout, than I would at the existing free agents who might take 80 to $100 million to sign and will come with just as many issues, just as many flaws as some of the guys who you could potentially acquire. So uh, let's just take a quick look before we finish up this episode. Uh, priorities for the Giants off season, they've really begun to take shape. Even though the Giants are 70 and 70, or excuse me, 73 and 70 and still have month of September to play out, in this season. Still could potentially make the postseason. I think it's very clear the Giants need a middle-of-the-order bat. Very clear they need a front end of the rotation starter to pair with Logan Webb. They will need bullpen help. And above all, the Giants need star power and someone who is going to bring people to the ballpark. Mike Trout could be one of those players. He certainly fills the the middle-of-the-order void that the Giants need, and he is someone who is easy, easy to build around because not only can he play center field, but if he's hurt, just put him in the corners. If he's dealing with injuries in his late 30s, you make him a DH. I still say that that bat speed is generational. The Giants could do a lot worse than committing $35 million a season to Mike Trout. It's got to go to someone. The Giants going to contend and win anytime in the near future. You know that it has to be with talent that supplements the core that the Giants are trying to build right now. And so one last thing before I do go here though, did want to mention I spent Saturday afternoon at Yankee Stadium for Old Timer's Day. I uh, was out in New York for a bachelor party for my good friend Miguel uh, who's getting married in November. A few of us went to Yankee Stadium. What a cool deal Old Timer's Day is and it reminds me that one of my favorite nights of the Giants season is coming up and that is when the Giants have their Willie Mack award ceremony. I think it's Great stuff when you have all the former Willie Mack Award winners, all the former leaders, all the people who really connected with the clubhouse and with the fans on an emotional basis They're all on the field, they're all in the ballpark, they're all ready to welcome someone new into that club. So uh, maybe not next episode, maybe not later this week, but maybe next week I'll touch on the significance of the Willie Mack Award and the candidates for it this season. Because I think there are some really strong candidates, even a year that hasn't lived up to my expectations, probably hasn't lived up to a lot of Giants fans' expectations. Even if they do make the postseason, I think that there are still a lot to like with regard to the makeup of certain players, the character of certain players and the Willie Mack Award, which is on an annual basis, one of the best nights of the year. So we will touch on that later on. Uh, For all of you who listened to today's episode, thank you so much. would really appreciate it if you go into your Spotify app and drop a five-star review. Really appreciate it if you share this podcast. Coming up later this week, we're going to do a few fun things. Plan on chatting with my guy, Roger Muncher of There Are Giants, and we will talk more Giants baseball after this Guardian series, where again... Got to win at least two, probably three, to stay in this National League playoff race and reap the benefits of having your young players involved here. So thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate your time. Have a great week.